Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. bleed green are you an ultimate eagles football fan well you're in the right place well you're in the right place this is birds 365 hosted by the new mac and mac jody mcdonald and john mcmullen here we go here we go who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. And a good Monday morning, Eagles fans. Hopefully you had a great weekend. Only a regular weekend, not a holiday weekend. Sorry about that. Back to work here on Monday. And that is the case for your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365, McMullen and McDonald. Jay Mac, I'd ask how your weekend was, but I already know your wife put you to work. Uh, Not good. Yeah, not good. Not good at my age, Jody. She's got me doing heavy construction work. You know, Yikes. I got. I need. I need yellow tape to to block off stuff. So, not yeah, not not, not good. good at all. But uh, glad you got through it. Glad you're here with me this morning. And man, do we have a lot to sink our teeth into? Um, new Eagles organizational structure announced on a Friday. Uh, of thank, course. Thank you again, way. Eagles, for doing yeah. so. Uh, so we can't talk about it all weekend. Um, a lot more lists and and guys coming out with rankings and ratings that I do want to get your take on. But most importantly is you got your chance to check out the Eagles on the field on Friday, uh, the end of, I guess it's phase four, and we've got phase five yet to come. I get my phases confused. Uh, no, there's only, time. we're in phase three. There's only three phases. So phase three uh, ends this week. And then, uh, uh, it's you have the little lull before training camp in late July. So that's the one area on the calendar where uh, it gets a little bit tougher 
for Jody Mac and Johnny Mac. So they don't separate these two weeks. It's all part of phase three. No, all part of phase three. The on-field work is all part of phase three as, as it, as it goes, you know, it's interesting because the Eagles, I think 13 is the number you can have of, of, of on-field sort of practices, whatever you want to call them. Sessions. Sessions. Thank you. Um, And they, uh, they're doing six and there's some talk that, you know, that the, the trend around the league is you cancel the final one, you know, sort of like the last day of school. Uh, and you try to make everybody happy. You do this team building thing, whether you go bowling or uh, you do something, throw axes. Everybody likes to throw axes now, um, you know, something like that. Uh, and, you know, the Eagles are doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week. So there's some reporters are going to be let in depending on, on the last day, if it's Wednesday or if it's Tuesday. Um, and I'm like, wow, even even when scaling back from 13, they're still thinking about canceling the last day. So it is kind of what it is, but we'll see how it shakes out. Um yeah, I I don't know. You know where I think we're on the same page there. I mean, there's there's look. I get you got to evolve, and we'll talk about that with the front office as well. But um, I mean, you got to practice at some point, unless it becomes all mental. And then why don't we just play a video game? I I'll believe that less is more is good in some things. I'm not sure that prepping for an NFL season is one of them, but that's the way the Eagles have gone. Uh, And you might not even get three uh, sessions this week. We'll see if that works out. Uh, Any leanings, any beliefs that uh, what day you are going to get in? I certainly want to talk about what you saw on Friday for the less than an hour you were there. Um, But uh, I was there for a long time, but we were on the field for only an hour. Right. That's that's what I meant. Thank you for clarifying. Um, If they do cancel the third of the three this week, that that means Tuesday is most likely you're not going today. We've already surpassed that, right? Yeah. So you're good. You're expecting to get the email or the text today that tomorrow is a media day for you guys. Yeah. Sometime today or, um, you know. We don't get one. It'll be Wednesday. I I find it hard to buy. I'm I'm banking on Wednesday just because I find it hard to believe they'll cancel. You know they barely do anything as it is. So what's the point? They've already gone bowling. We've seen the pictures. I mean, what's the point? You've already done that stuff. I mean, get an extra day in, but we'll see. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. Extra so days compared to getting out after only five of 13 <clears throat> potential practice days. That'll go a long way in winning over the players. How about actually doing some work? That's just me. All right. Uh, when you did get the chance to spend your quality hour, yes, you might have been there significantly longer, but you only got to watch about an, uh, 50 minutes of workout time that the Eagles got in. What jumped out at you, Johnny Mac? Well, on the field, you know, not much. Um, I guess the best uh, indication, obviously, they just went seven on sevens. Jalen was very sharp, um, you know, but seven on sevens are designed to have success. I explained that last week for the offense, and he did. And he was certainly more ahead chemistry-wise with Devontae Smith than A.J. Brown, which is understandable. 
Um, hit hit Demonte Smith twice uh, on deep balls, so that was exciting. And then, yeah, to me, the bigger impact because there were a lot of receivers weren't there. Jalen Rager wasn't there. Um, Jeff, I know Jeff Gladney's family had some kind of service, so I assume he was there. Um, uh, Zach Pascal wasn't there for some reason. Um, and Quez Watkins wasn't there. Um, so all, all of those, so y- you didn't get a good feel for, you know, how they're going to rotate the receivers, but the defense, the majority of the back seven players were there. So you got a, a more of a feel for it. And, and obviously you knew the starters, um, with the exception of, of, of linebacker. And I kind of said last week, they're not going to start with, uh, Nicobe Dean. They're going to make him work his way up. And sure enough, they started with TJ and Kaiser White. And then it was, uh, Devon, uh, Davion Taylor and, and Christian Ellis and Nicobe Dean was on the third team with the rookies. So that, but that makes sense. That's just about, um, you know, making uh, a young player work his way up. Uh, the depth chart, you can't just put them on the field. Um, and then the backup corners were interesting to me because we heard so much about them, but then they brought in Bradbury. Um, and obviously the starters are solidified with him and Slay and Avante Maddox. Uh, so it was Zach McPherson on the outside. Mac McCain, though, uh, Mac, Mac and Mac McCain um, got, you know, he, he got the first rep on the outside as a backup alongside Zach McPherson over Tay Gowan and Kerry Benson. So that's the kind of stuff that we talk about on Birds 365 that they're probably not going to talk about because it's arcane. But it was interesting to me. Josiah Scott was the backup nickel, which was not a surprise. Um, safeties, you know, it was Epsi, obviously, and Anthony Harris, and 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 then you have uh Kayvon Wallace and Andre Sachere, uh, were the backups, and then Jared Maiden. But Maiden was the guy who stood out the most. Now, granted, he was working on, on, on the third team against the third team, you know, Carson Strong's of the world and 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 Britton Kobe's of the world at, at, at wide receiver, but. And it's seven on seven, but he just looks more physical than the rest of them. Like he just looks like he wants to hit somebody and he's not allowed to. Uh, And he looks like a real safety. I only put that out there because they need a safety. They need a safety as a, as a bare minimum backup. I still think they're going to bring one in at some point, to be honest. Uh, I don't know who, I don't know where, I don't know when, but. I can't see them going into a season with Kayvon Wallace and Andre Sacheray as their backup safeties. And maybe that opens a door for somebody like Jared Maven, who is a real safety. He played at Alabama, so he's not some, you know, I talked about Reed Blankenship as an undrafted free agent from Middle Tennessee State. I mean, this kid, this kid played at Alabama, so... Who knows, but it's one of those positions where there's an obvious need and day one, he kind of showed up and, and of the, on the offense of the lesser known players that showed up would be Dion Kane, a big wide receiver. And he had a bigger opportunity because as I said, Zach Pascal wasn't there, Quez Watkins, Jalen Rager. So he got more reps than he probably would have gotten. And he, and he showed up, he showed up with them. Um, 
and and he brings you know he brings something similar to obviously nobody's as big as AJ but he he brings that size to the position as well so um you know maybe just put a check mark next to his name if 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 somebody's going to push for a, a fifth or sixth wide receiver spot nice to be able to just see the eagles out there on the field as limited as it may be but get a feel for uh, guys and where the eagles are at and yes depth charts are fluid and can change but you got to start somewhere and eagles did with the practice that you guys were allowed to jump into the other day i thought maybe the most interesting thing that was discussed over the weekend john was shane steichen uh, yeah, offensive coordinator that uh, we knew when Nick Sirianni put his. And I love together. it. You know me, Jody. I love it. Okay, then describe to me how and why you love it. Well, I like CEO coaches. I don't like. I. That's I, true. I've never you're, understood. You're, you're well on the record with that. I have never understood getting bogged down with one aspect of the game. Well, I do understand it because. That's what the NFL has turned into. Really, there's co-head coaches in most cities. Uh, but one guy has the designation. We talked about titles. We'll talk about that, too, with uh, the front office. Uh, there's these designations. And I always go to Sean McVay in his first year. And, and obviously, Sean McVay is the flavor of the month, so to speak, flavor of the years now um, in the NFL. Everybody's looking for the next Sean McVay, the next Sean McVay. When he was a rookie, you can go back and watch the games, go on <laughs> Game Pass. When when the Rams still had Wade Phillips, and bless you, when the Rams uh, still had Wade Phillips, uh, he's one of the best defensive coordinators ever. Um, and by the way, he's going to be coaching in the XFL next year. Wade's, so Wade's going to come back. But, um, you know, Sean McVay used to go sit on the bench with Jared Goff, pretty much, and don't not even pay attention to the defensive side of the football. It was it was Wade Phillips, and and by the way, it should have been. I mean, you know, nobody's going to question Wade's competency or anything of that nature. But it always struck me as you know, most coaches at least pay lip service to paying attention to the other side of the ball, and there's certain coaches who are CEO coaches that have been very successful. Um, and there's also examples of, you know, the clapper in Dallas, Jason Garrett, you know, but the difference and people brought up Jason Garrett to me a couple of times when I say, I like this. Yeah. I mean, it didn't work out with Jason Garrett, but I think people forget play calling was stripped from him, uh, by Jerry Jones who said, you have to give this up. You, I, I believe it was Scott Linehan at the time. <clears throat> and he and he ordered him to give it up, and that's different. Now, if someone and there's been no evidence to this, and I've asked uh, if 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 someone has proof that Howie Roseman stripped Nick Sirianni of play calling because the Eagles were so bad in the first seven games of of really first six uh, of last season. All right, then I'll tell you this is a bad move. I get all indications this was Nick's decision. Um, and he just felt he, 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 you know, wanted number one, he wanted to oversee the entire team. Number two, it was convoluted to begin with because 
the original plan was Nick would call the play, relay it to Shane Steichen, who would then give it in it, which to me, and from day one, we heard that. And I wasn't the only one. There were a couple other reporters. That, what What the hell is, yeah, you're raising your hand, Jody. I mean, that made no sense to me. Other than he wanted the same voice in Jalen Hurts' ears. And then Nick explained this last year, and, and Shane kind of confirmed it um, on, on Friday. You know, the game planning during the week, everything's pretty much structured. That's what you do. You have everything set up. You have your openers. You have your third down package, your red zone package. Everything's on the call sheet. So it's a matter of, you know, you've already done the work during the week. So it's a guy sort of pulling the trigger, and that's going to be Shane Steichen. And and he made sure to say that, you know, if Nick wants something called in a certain situation, he tells him and he calls it. Um. I think personally, that's the better way to do things. I, I've always thought that way. I, I've always thought if you're the head coach, be the head coach. You've got to coach the defense. If Jonathan Gannon's doing something you don't like, you got to be able to toggle, go over there and say, look, we got to get more aggressive. We got to do this. We got to do that. Michael Clay's doing not doing something you like. You gotta you gotta be able to to move and do that. Otherwise, you're just a glorified offensive coordinator. And I think it's a positive that Nick Sirianni is, Nick Sirianni is turning into a, a, a CEO head coach. But that's just me. No, and for the most part, I agree with you. If uh, Steichen is up to the duty, and they kept it pretty well under wraps that he was the not the majority of the play call, but almost the lone play caller for the second half of the season, which was a pretty effective as much as it was run-based, it was effective uh, offensive uh, half a season of football. If that's the case, we'll see if he can pick up right where he left off with changes, with throwing the football more. Uh, I'm I'm willing to give Shane Steichen every single benefit of the doubt, and apparently Nick Sirianni is too, if this makes him into a CEO, as you like to call it, head coach. I had uh, plenty Eagle stuff to discuss. John and I will be doing it for the next hour and change. And we'll have two helping hands, two good helping hands. As a matter of fact, our buddy Martin Frank from the Delaware News Journal is going to join us coming up in just a couple of minutes. A little later, uh, Chris Landry, uh, ex-NFL coach and scout uh, from LandryFootball.com, is going to jump aboard, too. It is a Monday get-together, start of a new week. We're getting that much closer. We're down to double-digit days, John. Only 97 days till the first Sunday of Eagles football. Creeping up on us. We're we're a month away from training camp. More than a month, but, um, you know, it's June, and next month is July, Jody. So if you look at it that way, maybe it'll get here a little bit closer. The only thing going faster than the arrival of football season is Eagles practice because you're blinking there over and done with. But uh, we are the Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, joined by Martin Frank next here on Birds 365. Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. I'm saying Wednesday. Yeah. They're not gonna I, I, you I mean, said you mean Wednesday they're going to go through all six sessions? They're going to put yeah. all six in? Damn that hardworking football team we have. Hey, you got to get that hour in. I mean, yeah. 55 minutes, you know? That's gross. <laughs> it is grueling, but they're going to do it. They already yeah. went bowling, Martin, so I'm with you. I'm going to say they're going to go. They've already done the team building, right? So. Yeah. Why not? You you cut from thirteen to six. Let's do six. I'm 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 betting on Wednesday. So if if you're a betting man and listening or or betting lady, probably bet on Tuesday because yeah. I don't win a lot of my bets. <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna bet Wednesday. Um, saw you pop in the green room, Martin, while Jody and I were discussing the offensive play caller and Shane Steichen, who was last year down the stretch of the season. Sure. Um, it's more solidified this time. I think, by the way, I think it's fair to Shane Steichen because um, he deserves credit when he's calling the plays. And it was, uh, you know, I'm not saying hidden, but the Eagles didn't make a big deal out of it last year. Um, 
your take on on Nick Sirianni stepping back uh, from being a play caller? Kind of a bold move because he was hired to be a play caller. I, I think it's a good idea. I mean, you know, you have an offensive coordinator, let him coordinate the offense. And, you know, it's like, I think it was like you were saying, I mean, Nick Sirianni is still going to be in his ear. And if he's saying like, I want this play called there, you know, he's going to call that play. Um, so I don't think that'll change much. I mean, those guys, they communicate with each other a lot during the week. They go over the game plan in, in pretty stark detail and everything so like Shane's not going to call anything that's totally going to like surprise Nick Sirianni and so Nick's saying what what the heck are you calling here I mean why are you doing that I mean you know it, it's within um what's the best way to say it kind of like within a framework of certain plays concepts they want to run and then you know Shane just picks one but it's still within the framework of what they want to do so I don't think it's going to be a big change over you know, what they've been doing in the past. I mean, I think that's kind of how they did it towards the end of last year as well. Martin, this uh, past week of workouts, at least the day that you guys were there and assume it was similar in the other two days, bunch of veterans, no shows for the Eagles. Now this mm -hmm. is not mandatory, so you're right. not obligated to show up, but first week of workouts with the team, you're kind of hoping the guys who've been there, done that, been part of a Super Bowl champion five years ago would show up. Am I making too big a deal out of this? I don't know the attendance numbers for any of the other teams well, that the Eagles will be yeah. competing with this year. So what were your thoughts when you got there and you saw how many people were there and how many people weren't? Well, I mean, one of the things we don't know is, is just because they weren't there on Friday doesn't mean they weren't there Tuesday and Thursday, the other days when they had questions. <laughs> Um, you know, maybe, you know, you mentioned someone like Fletcher Cox, he might've been away the whole time anyway. I mean, you know, you look in the past, like guys like Darren Sproles rarely ever showed up for spring practices and everything, and they are totally voluntary. So I, I wouldn't make a big deal out of it. I mean, I think some of those guys like maybe took off a day early for a long weekend or something like that. You know, I think like some of them probably were there earlier in the week and they just skipped out of town on Friday. Um, we'll, we'll find out more this week. I mean, you know, some of those guys might show up this week. They might not. I mean, it's just, I don't know. There, there are some teams, like, I think the wasn't it Sean Payton with the Saints? Like, you know, the last couple of years, he didn't have spring practices at yeah. all. Yeah. Um, well, part of that was pandemic related. But, yeah, right. that, and, then, and with the pandemic, when it first started, Sean was like, all right, we're not going to do anything. And, yeah, it didn't affect. I don't think it affects – veteran players i've said that for years martin the yeah. spring mark but i do think it's important um uh, for the younger players uh just to get them oh, yeah. you know from a teaching perspective and 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 that kind of thing so before we move on from the on-field work because there's not much to it and probably by the way offensive linemen a bunch of offensive line were we're missing as well brett toth got married was getting married so maybe that had something to do with it um, uh, but on field, anything jump out at you besides, I guess, Jalen Hurts looking pretty sharp, uh, anything under the radar? Um, I would say, well, you mentioned Jalen Hurts, obviously, and, and Devontae Smith. I mean, he looked really impressive. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I noticed a big difference, you know, from, you know, the beginning of last year, uh, you know, even training camp, he was kind of a rookie, not really sure of his spot. And, and I think he came back much more confident, 
much more assured of himself and everything. And, and I think, you know, from a 55 minute practice and stuff, you can kind of tell that he's at a different level um, so far this year. I, I'm expecting kind of big things from him. Uh, as for the other guys, I mean, uh, Dion Kane kind of had a pretty, yeah, pretty good day. I mentioned it. Nowhere. Yeah. You know, he's kind of like one of those bottom of the roster guys trying to make us, you know, trying to get get himself a roster spot and everything. And, you know, he looked pretty impressive. I mean, you know, they're, the Eagles seem to be pretty well set at wide receiver, but, you know, for that sixth spot and everything, that could be up for grabs between a number of guys, you know, Jalen Rager, uh, Greg Ward, Deion Kane, you know, he could throw himself into the mix and, and definitely get a spot uh, if he has a strong. By the way, Martin, people camp. should be excited by what you just said there. The Eagles are pretty well set at receiver. When's the last <laughs> yeah, time we said that? That's yeah. that's That's got to make people feel good. Yeah, well, you know, like last year, we might have said the same thing, but at a different level. I mean, because everyone thought Travis Fulgham would be would be good. Obviously, you need to even make it out of train out of training camp. But um, you know, you would think with this group they have, yeah, they're definitely well set. I mean, you got Devontae Smith, you got AJ Brown, you got Zach Pascal, you got Quez Watkins. I mean, that's a pretty good top four right there. Um, you know, and then you kind of round out the rest with with you know the other guys. Um, who could include Jalen Rager, a former first-round pick. I mean, you know, you never know. <laughs> A.J. Brown had an interesting quote over the weekend saying the Eagles have two one-wide receivers, himself and uh, Devontae Smith, who we just discussed, and uh, you said looked good as a second-year guy, got the rookie uh, kind of off of him. And I heard from a source that he's put on – at least four pounds of muscle this offseason that he is not quite the wafy wide receiver that showed up in Eagles camp that everybody questioned if he could take the rigors of the NFL, that mm -hmm. he, he's looking significantly bigger. Am I overstating that, Martin? Um, no, I don't think so. Like I said, he was he's looking very confident, you know, in, in his second year and everything. I mean, he's he seems like a different guy. I mean, maybe – judging from a 55 minute practice is too soon but to me i was we want was we really, want firm declarations for the entire i was season. really impressed with what i saw i'll leave it at that yeah. and i think i think he definitely has the potential to have a really big year and you know like you mentioned aj brown is going to help him out tremendously i mean you know even if aj brown doesn't get the number one cornerback you know that's going to make him a lot better but he probably will get it, and then in which case Devontae Smith is just going to run roughshod through his secondary. All right, to me, the Deion Kane of the defense, Martin Frank, was Jared Maiden. I saw him flash a couple of times. And to me, I, again, we'll put all the caveats on it, but to me that's even more important because the Eagles could use a safety. They could use a safety. I mean, they have receivers, so it's going to be really difficult for Deion Kane to do any anything when Quez is there and Jalen gets back and Zach Pascal gets back. Um, they need a safety. Is that a sneaky name to keep an eye on, Jared Maiden, uh, for the Eagles and 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 uh, the defensive backfield? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing about about the Eagles' safeties. Um, they're not deep. I mean, they're unproven. Like, even if you want to take the leap and, and believe in Marcus Epps as a starter, which 
it's fine. You can do that because he's got plenty, you know, he's had plenty of experience, especially last year. He was kind of rotating in anyway. So, you know, let's say you have, let's say you want us, you want to say you have a starting, you know, a solid starting tandem in, in Anthony Harris and Marcus Epps. Who's behind them? You know, you got Kayvon Wallace, who's unproven. You got, you know, Maiden, who's, who's unproven. Um, who am I forgetting? <laughs> There was Andre Sacheray. Did you say him? That's it. Yes. You know, also unproven. He's more of a special teams guy. So, like, you know, if if Epps or or Harris get hurt, I mean, who's stepping in? So, yeah, you need a guy like Jaron Maiden to, you know, prove himself and show that, you know, if if needed, he could be the third safety. He can come in. One of those guys. Because, I mean, that's the thing. Like last year, they had three pretty solid safeties in Rodney McLeod, Harris, and, um, and Marcus Epps, and they don't have that that proven third guy now. So, you know, one of those guys, Sachere, Maiden, or Kayvon Wallace, I mean, Kayvon was a fourth-round pick in 2020. I mean, they, they've got to establish themselves. This is the year they got to do it. And, you know, Howie Roseman was telling us the other day that, you know, he's got faith in those guys, you know, that they can do the job, that they're better than people on the outside think they are. Well, I mean, you know, now's the time to show it. And, you know, with Jared Maiden having a pretty good day the other day in practice, I mean, that's obviously a positive sign. But, you know, you got to prove it, though. Martin, with these being limited activities and no 11s on 11, 7 on 7 at best, uh, that does give the offense the chance to look good. The backup tight end position, Dallas Goddard, of course, is going to be the number one guy. And a lot of people are projecting a Pro Bowl level type production season for him, as am I. Um, Somebody's got to be there. TE2 and three, depending on how deep you're going to go in both your sets and your play calling and your roster. Anybody jump up, not name Dallas Goddard at the tight end position for you in the 55 minutes you had to watch Eagle football the other day? <laughs> I didn't really notice anybody stand out. I mean, I think Noah to- Togiai had, had a pretty good reception at one point. Um, I didn't really see a whole lot from Jack Stahl. Um you know, they, they do like Grant Calcaterra. Cal- 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 yeah, yeah, they're, they're six-round pick and everything. So, um, you know, I think they have potential. I mean, it just wasn't enough to kind of get a, you know, to make a first impression type of thing. Um, but Calcaterra, I think, you know, going into training camp will probably end up being the TE2 guy. Um, I think they really like him. And, and, you know, before he had his concussions and everything, I mean, he was he was like a top supposed to be a top tight end on a, on a really good Oklahoma team and everything. So I mean the potential is there, and you know I think I think ultimately he'll be the number two guy. Maybe Jack Stahl number three. Uh, Tyree Jackson's still kind of working his way back from the. Well, I was surprised yeah. Tyree was out there, Martin. He was with but he had a brace giant uh, brace on his right yeah. leg. But yeah, I I, think I, it's a positive that they let him out there because you can get hurt if you're just standing around. Uh, must mean he's progressing at least somewhat nicely. But yeah, I mean that's a nine month injury, so he's mm-hmm. not going to be involved uh, anytime soon. Um, Want to shift gears to the front office. Uh, Julian Laurie uh, gets in the building and boom, there's 30 changes. 30 changes, <laughs> Martin Frank. 30 different changes to the Eagles front office. 19 promotions. They brought in 11 people. I think were the final numbers from outside the organization. 
and nobody to replace Andy Weidel, technically. Um, what did you make of the shape-shifting of the Eagles' front office? Um, well, the overall thing is, like, I think it solidifies Howie Roseman's power yeah, I mean, as general manager. I mean, you know, Andy Weidel, when he was here, you know, as a top personnel guy, I mean, he would, you know, he could say, oh, yeah, I like this guy, I like this guy. But, like, now there's, like, no um, directly under him. I mean, he created the assistant general manager spot um, or title, I guess. Um, with, But the two people who he gave that title to are, are Alec Hallaby and John Ferrari. And both of those guys are on the football operations side. So it's not like they're like head scouts or anything like that, like Andy Weidel was. So, you know, there's another layer, I guess, of people who have to report to Howie who oversees all of that. Um, and so if there was any doubt about Howie Roseman's role beforehand, um, there isn't anymore. I mean, you know, he's calling the shots. He's the one pulling the strings and, you know, there's less of a buffer, I guess, between him and, you know, the decisions that he has to make. I mean, he's pretty much going to be the guy calling the shots here on out, and there's no doubt about that anymore. And the interesting aspect of it, and John and I have discussed this on the show here before, the quote-unquote titles, assistant general manager has grobby toss to it that means a team can't come in and steal a guy. And they have avoided the assistant general manager title up until this point. Now they give out two of them and neither one of them on the football side. Do we read mm -hmm. into this as you're suggesting Howie Rose is chief cook, bottle washer, king, everything else when it comes to any on-field football decision player personnel-wise? Or do they really just feel that strongly about Ferrari and Hallaby that they want nobody coming in and scooping them up like they did several other key Eagles executives during this offseason? Well, uh, it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, you know, I mean, a guy like Alec Hallaby, he's a data-driven analytics guy. Um, so, you know, probably they, they don't want to lose him unless it's, you know, to be a general manager. And, you know, I guess they're hiring those kind of guys too because that's who got the job in Pittsburgh. But I think what was surprising for the Eagles, maybe it shouldn't have been, was that uh, Andy Weidel left and took a, um, you know, a lateral move. He has the same title in Pittsburgh. So, um, you know, that was that was kind of interesting. I mean, Howie kind of, you know, you might, you might want to say, like, you know, maybe Howie was surprised at that because, you know, why would, you know, they thought maybe if Andy Weidel was going to leave, it was going to be just for a general manager spot. And if he didn't get the Steelers GM spot, you know, he was going to stick around as the assistant GM because why would you leave for um, a lateral move? I'll, but, I'll tell you why, Martin, because they fired your younger brother and they fired your mentor. Right? Yeah, I, I'm not buying the Eagles spin on on Andy Waddle because I, I'm not saying they were pushing him out the door, but they weren't doing everything possible to make him say, hey, why don't I stay with the Philadelphia Eagles? Or yeah, if, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, they could have blocked him, right? Uh, you know, I, 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 and you know, I've tried to get that answer from Howie on a number of occasions. It's so murky because the explanation is if you have control over personnel, um, mm -hmm. you can't block somebody. Uh, and, and 
But by theory, assistant GMs don't have control over personnel. So it's it's kind of convoluted. I, I, okay. I haven't been able to nail that down. But I, I do, and you were there, Martin, in, in 2016 when Howie came back, I think, um, and not came back, but came back from his exile. Um, Jeffrey Lurie made a big deal about we got to hire a personnel guy and they got to work in collaboration. And I think when they ultimately hired Joe Douglas, he said something, Jeffrey I'm talking about, said something along the lines of this is the most important hire of, of, of the year or something of that nature. I uh, really wanted a strong personnel guy to work in concert with, with Howie Roseman. And they had that with Joe and then Andy, who was uh, Joe's right-hand man before he got mm-hmm. elevated. And now, not that they don't have guys. They have pr- plenty of guys. They brought back Matt Russell, but he's going to be working from Denver. He's not going to be in the building. Right. They have Dave Caldwell, uh, who's a former GM in Jacksonville. as an advisor. They're sort of in the Donahue, Donahue role. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it goes down to, I guess, Alan Wolking and Brandon Hunt, uh, and there's a third. I can't remember if you remember offhand. I'll look it up. Um, uh, and and but they're not at the elevation that that Andy Weidel was, and you no longer have that strong personnel executive. So, right, is this you know generally in positions of power when something happens, somebody shoots for that vacuum. Is that what we're seeing with Howie Roseman? Just saying, you know what? I'm I'm tired of dealing with these layers. I'm in charge. Let me be in charge. Yeah, that's the I take think, I get. I think that's a lot. I think that's a big part of it. I mean, I, like I was saying before, I think it just solidifies Howie Roseman's power as like, you know, this overseer who's going to make all the decisions and everything. And, you know, like give Howie Roseman credit, like, you know, when he came up, um, he cut his chops, like, in scouting and everything. He was more of a data analytics guy, and he went on the road, and he learned how to scout and everything. I'm not saying he's a great scout, and he makes great decisions and or anything like that. I mean, obviously, he's got an up-and-down kind of track record when it comes to the draft, but, you know, a lot of things like Howie said in the past, you know, like, if you look at the Jalen Rager draft, uh, you had one side saying, oh, yeah, we got to get Rager. You had the other side saying, well, we should get Justin Jefferson. I mean, obviously, the obvious choice was to take Justin Jefferson. Yeah. And, and how he was on the Jefferson many, side, supposedly. Yeah, supposedly. I mean, yeah, supposedly. But, like, I think there were just too many voices in his ear. And he's like, you know what? If I'm going to if I'm gonna make a wrong pick, if I'm going to make the bad pick, you know, then it's going to be on me. Um, and if it, you know... And then in which case he'll get credit if he gets the right pick. I mean, someone like Devontae Smith, for example, or or making the draft day trade for A.J. Brown, he was kind of saying that, like, you know, he didn't tell anybody else he was going to do that. And he kind of, like, at the last minute pulled that one off. And <laughs> much to the surprise of Andy Weidel and how his quote after that was, hey, don't worry, I got you. And I he didn't it. get him. He didn't get no, him. He did it. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I need one more clarification on this realignment of the Eagles front office. Phil Baya is the director of draft management. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think the Eagles have ever had someone 
titled the director of draft management before. (laughs) I think we can judge by the name what the position will entail, at least in part. Can either of you guys kind of describe what Phil Baez's job is going to be on a day-in, day-out basis as director of draft management? (laughs) Well, I kind of think it's like what John was saying. you got like two or three guys like in this vacuum, and maybe one of those guys will emerge like and become like an Andy Weidel type of guy. Um, You know, I think in in this latest round of hires, they got pretty creative with some of their titles. Yeah, I was impressed. I, I, I was, was trying. Uh, I, was I, kind of... I, 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 I was saying, how long did it take you to think of these titles, these names of these yeah. titles? Um, like uh, director of getting my meals for yeah. me, you know, type yeah. of thing. Uh, I think, I think, yeah, I think it's just kind of like a vacuum uh, to see who would kind of like emerge from like three or four different roles and become like, you know, maybe someone like Andy Weidel. You know, I joked about Julian Laurie, and we've, we've joked about that uh, off to the side as well. And he's going to be the leader of the Eagles. If they're, you know, who knows when? Obviously, Jeffrey's 70, so um, he's got no plans of stepping down. I'm not saying anything's going to happen imminently, but obviously, ultimately, Julian Laurie is going to take over the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, he's reportedly very, very close to Alec Hallaby, who um, is now the assistant, one of the two assistant GMs, as you mentioned, Martin with John Ferrari. Um, any any possibility there that there's the guy maybe that people don't uh, look at or think about that much that is reaching for that power vacuum and he might have the back door. He might have the keys to the castle because he's close to Julian Laurie. Yeah, it's very possible. I mean, you know, Alec has been there, what, going back to uh, Chip Kelly when Chip Kelly got yeah. hired, I believe. Yeah. So yeah. He, he and Doug clashed at times. Um, right. Uh, and that was one of the issues with Doug Peterson. Show, you know, showing up after beating Green Bay. Hey, why didn't you pass the ball? <laughs> that right. type of thing. So when you, when you look at it, I mean, he survived Chip Kelly. Um, he survived Doug Peterson. Um, and he's still here with, with uh, Nick Sirianni. I mean, you know, generally when you, um, when you change like coaches and everything like that, you bring in a whole new staff and, you know, that includes a little bit of the front office stuff, but here's a guy, who's kind of, you know, he's kind of like Jeff Stoutland. He's, he survived all of that, you know? Um, and if, you know, the, how he, especially in the front office, like when he came back in 2016, he could have cleaned house um, and gotten rid of him very easily. I mean, there was obviously the motivation to do that, but, you know, maybe Jeffrey Lurie said, Hey, you got to leave Alec Hallaby alone or, you know, or maybe Howie just said, hey, this guy can really help with analytics and stuff. So obviously they think very highly of him and the fact that he survived three different regimes and stuff. So um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's a bigger role for Alec Hallaby at some point in the future, especially, you know, if Julian Lennon eventually takes. Julian Lennon. Oh yeah, my right. yeah. <laughs> Julian Lurie. Yeah. No, oh I like God. Julian. Yeah. Yeah, I like that so, Julian Lennon drop. You know, and they're about the same age too. I think Julian's twenty-seven. Alex maybe thirty. Yeah, Alex a little 30. bit older, but Alex looks like he's twenty-seven. So yeah, we'll say. yeah, looks yeah. very young. 
All right, Martin, tis the season to compile lists and react to lists and have fun with lists. And we've done just that here on Birds 365 the last couple of weeks. Uh, so a new one over the weekend, Pro Football Focus came out with their power rankings for coaches, which mm. between you and I, I did see one. And I was a little put off by the fact that Brandon Staley is rated ahead of Nick Sirianni. Both of them made the playoffs and got picked off in the first round. I actually think Sirianni did a better job of coaching the town he did than Staley did. And they were even in different tiers where one was a good coach and one was an average coach. And Sirianni came out on the short end. Here's a question I have for you. We read them. We comment on them. We take in what they say and then either debate it or agree with it. Do the players and or the coaches pay any attention to this stuff? They won't go on the record about it, I'm sure. But do you think they know how they're being viewed, how they're being ranked, how they're being rated? Does it have any effect on the actual individuals that are going to make those lists look good or look bad, the players or the coaches? I, I don't think so. And and I'll tell you why. Because, um, I mean, I think, like, if you're a head coach like Nick Sirianni and you're coming in for your first year and, you know, like the minute you you – first get introduced to the press you have that kind of awkward press conference and everyone's like who is this guy what the heck and then like you know before the draft last year he reveals that he plays rock paper scissors <laughs> uh, he does the flower pot i mean like you know the, the only thing the players are concerned is like can i can i play for this guy like is he is he gonna help me become a better player you know um is this does this guy know what he's talking about and and obviously as you saw last year i mean they they decided that he does i mean you know they started out two and five fletcher cox is you know questioning you know jonathan gannon's defense um saying he can't play screens you know they're not paying him to play screens and yet, you know, they go seven and three down the stretch and they make the playoffs. So, and, you know, Nick Sirianni changed up his offensive philosophy midway through, became a run bait. And, you know, that's what the players are worried about. Like, you know, they want to win games. They want to get into the playoffs and stuff. And they want to play for a coach that they respect. If, if they thought like Nick Sirianni was like a clown show or whatever, I mean, you know, obviously he wouldn't still be here because, you know, that would have been a total disaster and everything like that. So I don't think they look at it and say, oh, my God, they have Brandon Staley rated ahead of our guy. Yeah, and looked, yeah. You know, I mean, Brandon Staley did a good job with the Chargers last year. I mean, and maybe he got that edge because, you know, the Chargers got off to a better start than the Eagles did. And, you know, they ended up, you know, being nine and eight, same record and everything like that. And then, you know, you look at what the Chargers did during the offseason. I mean, a lot of people in the AFC have them as a Super Bowl contender and everything like that. So, you know, I don't think people are talking about the Eagles the same way. But still, I mean, the Eagles like playing for Sirianni. I mean, that's obvious. I mean, Jason Kelsey came back. Um, you know, a lot of the other veterans are still here and everything like that. So that says a lot about him. So I don't think they really care that uh, Staley might be rated as a better coach than him. I mean, they like playing for him, and that's all that matters for the Eagles. He is Martin Frank. Follow him on Twitter at MFFrankNFL, although he did some Phillies recently, Martin. Uh, the big turnaround with the Phillies uh, uh, hopefully continues. Uh, read him, DelawareOnline.com. Wrote about Devontae Smith, who had his big uh, charity softball game in Allentown, as well as uh, 
the great practice and the, and the two deep balls from Jalen Hurts. Uh, final one for me, we'll keep it with Nick Sirianni because we were talking about him. I do mm-hmm. think he hears certain things, not those rankings, but he hears, yeah, he knew how he was taken after that first press conference and he knew how the fan base took the flower thing. And one, one of the things I'm impressed with Nick is he used it. I mm-hmm. said, the players love that flower thing. I told Jody that all the time. They loved yeah. it. They joke and, about it. They, yeah. they still joke about it. Yeah. <laughs> and he used it uh, to, to ingratiate himself more with the players. I, I think Nick Sirianni did a great job as a rookie head coach. I think he was the best rookie head coach. I think he was better than Brandon Staley. Yeah. Um. Can he take that step in year two? And do you like the CEO approach or do you think he should stick with that play calling that we started? Um, I do like the CEO approach. Um, you know, I, I don't think every coach can do it, but I think Sirianni kind of has the makeup to do it. I mean, I don't think he's kind of guy where, you know, it's my way or the highway. I mean, he's, he's really good at delegating. He's really good at listening to his players and listening to his coaches as far as suggestions i mean i don't think he would shut anybody off like i'll throw an example like a contrary example like chip kelly i mean it was obviously when he was here it was like he's they're gonna do it his way everything is gonna be done do it his way and there's no variant variation whatsoever i mean nick sirianni i mean you obviously saw you know like i said earlier he changed offensive philosophies midway through the season because it wasn't working so he's adaptable I think it'll work out great. And, and I do, I do think uh, he'll have a better year this year. I mean, now that he's already established, um, you know, second year and everything like that, he didn't really have any changes on the coaching staff. So, you know, that's also a plus because everybody knows the system. He isn't like adjusting on the fly and everything. So I, I expect, uh, I expect them to be better this year because of that. All right, Martin, need you to uh, weigh in on, Something John said in the first segment of today's show. He said he expects the Eagles to add another safety to the mix. At some point, we're going to get a veteran guy who's been there, done that with another organization. There are no starting safeties left out there. A guy would have to come in and work his way past the Marcus Epps to be a starting safety for the Eagles. Well, we got a couple of weeks after this week before camp hits. Last year, they signed Stephen Nelson right before camp opened up you agree with john or not that the eagles will add one more veteran safety between now and the start of camp i I do agree just because i think they need the depth um i'm not saying this whoever they sign is going to unseat marcus epps or anything like that i think they're pretty determined to uh give epps the starting role and see what he can do with it but i do think they need more depth um you know as i was saying earlier with the three guys behind them I don't think those guys are quite proven yet. Um, and I think they want to make sure, you know, they're covered um, just in case. I mean, it's not going to be like a big fancy name. It's not going to be like a Bradbury or Steven Nelson type of guy. But I think it is going to be a veteran who has kind of some experience and, you know, can be a third safety if needed um, or at least provide you the depth necessary to get through the season. Because, you know, we've seen in the past, like the Eagles have been decimated with injuries you know, defensive back and safety and everything. So, you know, I mean, I think they want to make sure they're covered in that sense. And I think they do need an, another guy just for depth. 
Martin, great stuff as always. Go out, put a couple miles. Are you running this afternoon? You're going to get out there and run, or no, just not today? <laughs> not today. Good for you. Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll match you. I won't be running either. Uh, Martin, thanks for coming out with us today, buddy. Always a pleasure. We'll get Same. you back in a couple weeks. Uh, talk to you. All right. Thanks, Look forward Martin. to it. Thank you. See you guys from uh, the Delaware News Journal, Delaware Online. Martin Frank here with us on Birds 365. All right, the uh, Mac guy is coming back. Uh, we get Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com, former NFL uh, scout and coach, going to hop aboard with us. Lots yet to do here on a Monday edition of Birds 365. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Action News, we cherish every moment. And it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. You got the Mac and Mac duo here, John McClone and Jody McDonald with John Birds 365, the countdown on to Eagles practice week two, OTA week two, 
limited drills week two. Let's be honest, it is what it is. Um, six practices over the course of this offseason before we get to camp. The camp will get here at some point. The season will get here 97 days from now. And we're trying to break it down for you as best we can through uh, many different lenses. One of which was the one that I uh, kept abreast of this weekend, uh, John McMullen's writings on uh, jacobsports.com, our new uh, uh, team website that John is uh, writing stuff for almost on a daily basis, day in and day out, and got a chance to uh, put some opinions down about the Eagles that uh, you saw this weekend. So make sure you get to jacobsports.com during the day after Birds 365 is over for what Johnny Mac is adding on what the birds are doing. And I did see you there and on Twitter. We know that the rookies have to show up for this stuff. A whole bunch of veterans uh, were no-shows, at least on Friday, when uh, you guys were allowed in. How many were there earlier in the week? We'll never know, or uh, they're not about to tell us. But we know the rookies are going to be there. And Jordan Davis opened some eyes, not only with his play, and you can only so show so much playing defensive line and seven-on-sevens and no real hitting or uh, physical pushing. Uh, so it's kind of more speculation than anything else. But this kid's got a lot of personality that Eagle fans are going to like. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. Hey, J. Mac. Yeah, uh, really does. You know, uh, you know, cannoli talk. We got a little bit from from Jordan Davis. Yeah, I mean, people are gonna love the kid. He's really smart. He's really intelligent, um, and he's a really good football player. That's the most important part. Um, and, you know, that's where all the excitement lies. You talk about all the additions, both rookies, both veterans. You know, Hassan Reddick's another guy who wasn't there. The Eagles really added a lot of talent in this offseason. But I think, you know, as strange as it sounds, and I'm not trying to say um, he's better, but I think because of the fit and what he means and what he could bring to the Eagles' defense, I think Jordan Davis might be the most important addition of all. I really believe that uh, because he he's sort of sort of like the defensive version of what I think AJ Brown's going to be to the offense, the final piece of the puzzle that allows everything else to fall into place. Um, in other words, you know, we were just talking about Martin with uh, um, the receivers are set you know, and how quickly that changes. It's really just one guy and everything else just falls into place. And you start to say, you know, if Devontae Smith's your number one, and you know how much I like Devontae Smith, Jody, but if he's your number one, you still have some questions. Well, is he ready? Is he, is he up there with the, with the true number ones in the world? He's still a young receiver. Um, now he's sort of the one a as AJ Brown described him as both ones. And then you're like, wow, that's pretty good. And and Quez Watkins is a two. You're like, oh, I don't think he's ready for that. But Quez Watkins is a three. That's that's okay. That's pretty good. And on and on down the depth chart. On on the defensive side of the ball with Jordan Davis, it's more of 
guys can play where they're comfortable now because, you know, they always had, um, you know, Javon Hargrave trying to play zero of one technique and trying to stop the run didn't work. Um, Fletcher Cox doesn't work. That's not what they do well. Um, and then you had the, the, the four eye and the five techniques and the Ryan Kerrigan's of the world and the Josh sweats. I mean, Josh sweat should be a weak side pass rusher an overhang player as Jonathan Gannon calls him not wasting his talents at four eye or five. Well, at times they had to do that last year because of the presence of Jordan Davis in theory, they won't have to do that. So if he turns out to be what we think he's going to be, it's going to be really, really important for the Eagles. And then you got the personality and the and the intelligence and 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 on top of it, it's a home run. He's potential home run pick for this team. All right. Um, you did say here in the first segment, uh, Nicobe Dean running with the third team linebackers that rookies kind of need to earn the advancement on the depth charts for the team. The way you're talking up Jordan Davis sounds to me like he's going to play more snaps than everybody else in defensive tackle for the Eagles this year. No, what kind of percentage no. are you talking about him playing J Mac? If he can have this kind of an effect. Uh, no, it's not about the percentage and really it's about first and second down. And I talked about this with Dan Cilio when he had me on his show national football show, Jacob media, jacobsports.com. Um, you know, to start, he's going to be a two down player. And I, I, I know people say, well, you can't take a two down player with the, with the 13. Let me me stop. Let me stop you there. If he's a two down player, who's out of Hargrave and Fletcher Cox, who becomes a one down player? Uh, it, it, it becomes it's going to be pretty much a three-man rotation i think the bigger question is who are the four rushers going to be on on third and long that's the bigger question um you know it's going to be hassan reddick um is it going to be brandon graham or josh sweat the other one it's probably going to be josh sweat is brandon graham going to be kicked inside is it going to be Brandon Graham and 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 Javon Hargrave, Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox? It's going to be Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. These are the old good problems to have type situations that defensive coordinators like. But the presence of Jordan Davis, and this is where it all fits in. You're not in third and two. Third and two, you can't use your NASCAR package. You can't have the four pass rushers on the field. They might run the ball. They might, and that's where you get into these convoluted four I five trying to stop the run, which the Eagles couldn't do. And too often they were in third and short, and it was easy for opposing quarterbacks, especially those veteran quarterbacks. If Jordan Davis is what we think he is as a run stuffer, and to me, that's his floor as a player. His floor is, I don't want to call him Vita Bea, but that's the name I compare him to because people will recognize him. If he's that type of player and all of a sudden people can't run on you on first and second down and they're sitting there in third and eight, or even if it's third and 10 and they're behind behind the sticks, third and 11, third and 12, all of a sudden opposing quarterbacks have issues. And if it's third and 12 and you have a son Rennick 
and Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham and, and Pletcher Cox pinning their ears back or Javon Hargrave, that's pretty difficult to deal with. And that's what I mean by all the pieces falling together. And on third down, Jordan Davis isn't even on, isn't even on the field. But the pieces have, have fallen together because of his presence. So it's not about percentage of snaps. It's about his impact on, on the game. You mentioned Brandon Graham a couple of times. He, of course, coming back from the major injury last year. Again, limited, true test snaps that they're getting in seven and seven. So you're just kind of looking at the way the guy is moving on the field. How Brandon Graham look? Um, well, you know, he's not on the field seven on seven. So he's just doing individual technique stuff. But he looks completely... Um, um, healthy, completely explosive, and we got to talk to Brandon. He is in really good shape. So he took his um, time off and 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 working in his rehab very very seriously. His upper body, and he's always been in tremendous shape um, as far as the explosion. Um, and you know they call it old man strength in football. You know, that's the one thing about rookies. They're especially on the offensive line. You know, they always got to get stronger uh, because they're facing these NFL players. And Brandon's in that quarter, category. He is just a bull. Of, of, the, the, the only question to me with Brandon Graham is he's 34. And, you know, he's coming off an Achilles. Is he going to have that same explosiveness as a player he once had? And we're not going to know that until the pads come on. I, I say that all the time. The pad positions, offensive line, defensive line, even running back to a certain degree. You get to see Kenny Gainwell in Boston Scott, Miles Sanders as pass receivers, but not as runners. Uh, linebackers, too. You get to see them in pass coverage, but not in run support. You don't get to find out that stuff until the pads come on. And that's just the way it is. You can't I, uh, practice physicality if you don't do anything physical. Exactly. That's why I, I just asked you to see how you thought he was moving around the field. Because there really aren't ways that you can get a look at him until camp opens up. But uh, since he's going to be out there, you want to at least have an opinion on how the rehab has gone for a guy who could be key, like Brandon Graham could be for them this year. I uh, do want to ask you about... One other guy we've been debating him here for the last couple of weeks. We ask almost every single guest. I don't think we asked Martin when we had him on. Um, but uh, all of our Eagle guys to speculate on the right guard position for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I read uh, our guy, uh, Ruben Frank's latest 10 topics on NBC Sports Philadelphia. And he broke it down pretty succinctly. He said, for me, it's really easy. Isaac Samalo will either be the starting guard or he will be cut by the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know if I believe that. I know that the Eagles would get some salary cap flexibility if they let him go. I don't think there's any way. And they've got good depth on the offensive line, so it wouldn't be, oh, my God, what the hell are the Eagles thinking about? But I just think it would be an uh, imperfect calculation. I think Sam Allo's got good football left in him. I know he's an injury waiting to happen these last couple of years, but I think he's going to be the starting right guard. I don't think there's any way the Eagles are going to cut him. Uh, John, this time of year, it gets a little bit more difficult to make trades because 
Other teams are just getting peeks at guys. These seven-on-seven practices, certain positions, you're not even capable of learning anything. Give me a percentage chance the Philadelphia Eagles are going to cut Isaac Sayamalo. Five percent. Yeah, I I get I get where Ruben's getting thinking that he's really expensive. So the the thought process is if you're not going to win the starting job, you're not they're not going to pay you that to be the backup. But I you know Isaac is is a little bit more unique than most backups because you know we talk about versatility all the time. He legitimately legitimately no bull bleep can play all five positions if you need him to. And there are very, very few people who can do that. So his value, even as a backup for one year, even though that's really, really expensive uh, for a typical backup player that can play, you know, maybe an interior backup or or uh, uh, a swing tackle, that's, you know, then they cut him. But he can play. He, he already did it. He played every position in college, ironically, except left guard. Uh, where he started for the Eagles for all those years. He started at right tackle as a rookie for the Eagles. He was a backup tight end for the Eagles when they went to 13 personnel. This guy can play anywhere. Stoutland would say all the time his best position is probably center because he's so smart. Um, So I do think ultimately, even if they said, you know what, Jack Driscoll was so good last year. He's so he's so young. He's got such an upside. We're going to just put him there because he's going to be there long term. Even if they made that decision, I think they would bite the bullet and say, um, "We'll we'll play out the year with Isaac. He gives us great depth. We'll 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 pay him that." And the only way they would get rid of him is if they could get trade and value back for him. Uh, and maybe that happens in training camp when people start getting injured and somebody has a real need. Uh, maybe that becomes a more viable position. I don't think they're going to cut Isaac. I don't. Um, I think he's too valuable. And, you know, Lane Johnson wasn't there. Uh, and Isaac started, you know, it's just individual drills. But Isaac started at right guard. And Jack Driscoll moved over to right tackle. So it's going to be like last year with Andre Dillard. They're going to default to Isaac Samalo. He's going to get every opportunity to win the job. I get what Ruben is saying. If he doesn't win it, you don't want to pay that money to a backup. But I think Isaac's versatility kind of changes that equation at least a little bit. And here's the reason why I think he's going to be the starting right guard for the Eagles. Certainly all the reasons that you just gave, but there's one more to add to it. Um, know that Jack Driscoll's a, uh, the head coach is a fan of Jack Driscoll. And uh, Sirianni has been willing to, uh, he prays on top of Driscoll for what he's done and what they think he can do in the future. Uh, Lane Johnson was one of the veterans who was not there this week. As far as we know, Lane is 100% healthy and ready to go, and he's a Pro Bowl-level talent even at this now advanced stage of his year uh, career. I don't see much of a drop-off from Lane uh, in whatever you believe was his best season to what he put on the field last year. I'm not trying to shortchange Lane Johnson a little bit, but he kind of, like Isaac, misses games. Varying reasons. He's not in the lineup. 
You don't just pen him in for 17 games at the start of any season. So he's going to miss time during this upcoming season if you're being very objective about uh, who you're going to be able to count on for the offensive line. Who's their best backup right tackle, Johnny Mac? Jordan Mylotta. <laughs> Would you do that? If you're uh, in charge, if you if you are the if you're uh, and they lean on their offensive line coach very heavily, are you going to move Jordan Mylotta from the left tackle to over the right side to fill in for Lane Johnson? Or do you if you're going so far as to say Jordan Mylotta and Dickerson are so good on the left side, we don't want to fool with them. Even though Dickerson has not been a left guard before he did it this past year for the Eagles, he's been more of a center on the right side. But they got uh, put together because of injuries on the left side, and it was so good, we can't even think about touching them. Oh, unless, of course, we need to move Jordan Mailata to the other side. Not me. I'm not doing that. Yeah, well, they did it last year. But it's interesting. Isaac's presence prevents you from having to do it this year because even if he's the backup, you could put him in at right guard and kick out Driscoll from right guard to right tackle. So it's nice to have uh, these options. It You know, it'll come down to what Stout thinks is his best. Is Andre Dillard better than Isaac Sayamala at that point? In other words, if, if Dillard and, and Isaac Sayamala are your backups, your top backups. Um, yeah, you really do think Driscoll's going to start over Isaac. Uh, do I think? Yeah. Uh, I think he's got a chance. I put the odds. Well, you I think. Just, the, the way you just described it was, John, you're going to put in Isaac and kick Driscoll out to right No, I said, I said, even if you start Driscoll, I said Sayamala's presence, uh, uh, Dipper, changes things from last year. Because last year, the Eagles moved uh, Jordan Mailata to right tackle and inserted Andre Dillard. I said Isaac's presence, even if he's a backup, could change that because if Driscoll's starting at right guard, you could just put in Isaac Sayamalo at right guard, kick it Driscoll to right tackle, and keep Jordan at left tackle. That comes down. That's a decision of who do you think is the best player uh, at that particular time. Do you want Andre Dillard on the field? If you want Andre on the field, you're going to have to kick Jordan Mailata over. You're not taking Jordan off the field. Uh, so it really comes down to that. But it gives you this versatility. That's kind of what I was talking about, why Isaac's not going to get cut, even if he loses the starting job, because he he, he gives you so many more layers of versatility. Um, if, 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 if all the injuries, if he's there, it changes the whole equation. So it's nice to have um, all these different pieces and the fact that Jordan can play right tackle, Jack Driscoll can play right tackle, and they can play it at a competent level. I mean, mo- there's a lot of teams that don't have one right tackle. Right. The Eagles have three legitimate right tackles. That's pretty stinking good. And by the way, Isaac could play right tackle in a pinch. Uh, throw that in there as well. They've got very good offensive line depth. Uh, assuming health for everybody, who's going to be the Eagles opening day starting right tackle? Uh, right guard or right tackle. Right guard. Right guard. Uh, right, I, yeah, I right think tackle. Isaac, I think it's about, I think Zach Berman put it about 60%. I, I would put it uh, at 55, a little bit less. I'd say 55-45 Isaac. Isaac in the lead. Gotcha. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick time out here on Birds 365. 
We hope to be joined by our buddy Chris Landry. Does a great job whenever he comes on with us. Uh, former college uh, NFL co uh, coach and scout. Still does work for teams around the National Football League draft season and the like. Um, his website, LandryFootball.com, is something all NFL fans should be checking out. Chris Landry scheduled to join us next here on Birds 365. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on that can you search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, IBEW98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Yo, okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. John McMullen, I'm Jody McDonald. We are your Mac and Mac guys. I'm March 365. I uh, haven't been established contact yet with Chris Landry. Hope to do so uh, between now and, and the end of the show. He's always good uh, when he hops aboard with us. Knew he was going to be driving today. Said he could do a phone hookup 
uh, and we just have a picture of uh, him up on the screen. Wasn't going to uh, uh, necessarily attempt to hop on the video stream uh, with us uh, while out there on the roads, off to see whatever. Yeah, that was, you can't do see. that. Nobody jump on the video chat on the road. I don't recommend that. Yeah, no. Uh, we've, we've actually done it a couple times. Just the uh, phone um, uh, hookups, but uh, with video. But usually the cars are parked on the side of the road, not yeah. actually trying yeah. to drive. And with our luck, of course, somebody would get in an accident uh, while on the air here on Birds 365. And we don't want to do that to uh, Chris Landry. So if we can establish a connection with him, we will. And we'll uh, punch him up at some point. I, uh, J-Mac, as I said to Martin Frank when we had him on, tis the season to have lists. And guys are putting out their uh, power rankings and ratings, specific positions, teams, and the like. And I did touch on the uh, coaching uh, earlier, the pro football focus put out. Yeah, I didn't see that. I'm busy destroying my back this weekend. So uh, thank, thank you to pro football focus for uh, having, uh, keeping us in updated lists on a day in day out basis. Uh, their list had John three coaches that they put on the hall of fame level. You can probably guess on who those three coaches are. Uh, Bill uh, Belichick uh andy reed are the obvious ones who is number three uh i would say it's either got to be uh pete carroll or john harbaugh uh that would be correct they actually ranked harbaugh ahead of andy reed the oh, student wow. ahead i don't of the agree Q4. with that but very good coach very good they coach. had they had belichick one uh harbaugh two andy reed three and that was a tier unto itself, Hall of, quote-unquote, Hall of Fame coaches. Then they had a tier of good coaches. Numbers 4 through 12, and I'm glad you haven't seen it because it allows me to uh, turn around and make it a question to you. Um, and I mentioned that Brandon Staley is the last of that group, 4 through 12, as good coaches. You know, I should have, by the way, while you're saying this, I should have put Mike Tomlin in that category as potential Hall of Fame. Like he's on the cusp with Pete Carroll and John Harbaugh. I would, I would throw, I would throw Mike Tomlin in that group, but uh, I was just thinking about that. Oh, by the way, Mike Tomlin, I said Brandon Staley was the last of the good coaches. I, I stand corrected. He was 12. There was one more number 13 in the good coaches. Mike Tomlin, number oh, 13. come on. Pro 13 football. 13 they've got on. Mike Tomlin at. I'm already upset by this Yeah, I list. don't necessarily like this list. But there are some things about this list that I, I, having done this show with you for a year and change, now I know you will like. Some you will hate, but some you won't like a little bit. All right, who else is a good coach in the NFL? John McCullough. Well, my, I just mentioned one, uh, uh, Mike Tomlin. Pete Carroll, obviously, would be in that list. I mentioned Pete him. Pete Carroll would uh, be number five overall. Very good. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, you know what I, uh, I think I know how big of a Shanahan fan yeah. you are. You can't be happy with his ranking at number seven. Ah, uh, that's nonsense. Yeah, I mean, I have him at number three right now. I got him leaping some of those. Hall of Fame coaches, you know, and maybe that's crazy, but um, I think he's a really good coach. Uh, I think, uh, I think, well, Sean McVay is a really good coach. Sean McVay <laughs> on the list, but number where they have McVay. I got to find him now. Uh, that, 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 uh, he's, he might not be as high, but I know that you uh, 
uh, always uh, kind of bland to the fact that McVeigh, just because uh, anyone has any association with him, it oh, seems yeah. to elevate yeah, their yeah. status yeah. in the National Football League. Sean McVeigh, number 11. Well, that surprises me. That surprises me. Um, All right, so you got a bunch in between Shanahan at seven, the... McVeigh at 11. Oh, uh, Vrabel's, Vrabel's a really good coach. I Vrabel think. is on the list of good coaches, but it's down at a little bit at number eight. Um, you know, I guess everybody's going to put Matt LaFleur. You know, I, I mean, he might be a good coach. I, I, I mean, he wins a ton of games. Nobody's won more games in, uh, what is that, his third year last year? Uh, but I don't know if he's a good coach because everybody would win games with Aaron Rodgers. Um, so I, I, I assume he's high. He would um, be number six. So we'll do a quickie recap here. One Belichick, two Harbaugh, three Reed. Don't know about two and three. Uh, those are the Hall of Fame coaches, good coaches. Five Pete Carroll, six Matt LaFleur, seven Kyle Shanahan, eight Mike Vrabel. Down at number 11, Sean McVay. A little disrespect for Sean McVay. Oh, that is disrespect. We're that still, is disrespect. We're still missing number four. Who and then you got be number four? Th- then you got nine and ten. Who are, who did I miss? I think I got all the good coaches. Um, uh, Sean McDermott, maybe? Sean McDermott, excellent choice. Not number four, not number nine, not number ten. Not on the <laughs> list of good coaches. Wow. Wow. All right. Uh, I don't agree with that. Um, maybe they're going old school. Maybe they're going uh, Ron Rivera. Maybe Ron Rivera, won't. another good choice. Guy with a track record, went to a Super Bowl. Not on the list of good coaches. Oh, my God. Who am I missing? Uh, Stefanski? Stefanski, good young coach. That's right. After you go old school, you got to go with a young guy. Stefanski, not on the list of good coaches. Oof. And you got um, three more to go. Number four, number nine, and number ten. Staley's not that high, is he? Who? Staley. Brandon Staley is Staley. number twelve. He's an, he's an analytics guy, so maybe they got him way higher than he should be. Um, it can't be Cliff Kingsbury. Number four, Cliff Kingsbury. Oh my God! Come the on, fourth best coach in the National Come Football on. League per. Uh, pro football focus, they're good coaches. The top of ah. their good coaches, Hall of Fame top three, top of the good coaches next ah. year. Cliff Kingsbury, number four. And Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, and I, I don't count the rookie coaches, I don't know if they counted the rookie coaches, but um, so I don't know how many rookies there are, but I don't even count those guys until we see them. I, I would have close. I would have Cliff Kingsbury closer to the bottom than than the top. Close to I think him. he's. I think he's flat out a bad coach. I I, I I don't agree with him at all. I we say there's sometimes pro football focus. I'm right on with them. Right. And there's Same. other times I'm like, what what the hell what, are you thinking? What the hell are you thinking? I right. I, mean, I, am, I, would, I like Kingsbury more than you do. But he is nowhere near the fourth best coach in the National Football League. What are you talking about? I you still got nine and ten guys you haven't mentioned yet are considered good coaches. They have three Hall of Famers, then they have ten good coaches, then they have everybody else. 
you still got to give me a couple more good coaches. Boy, numbers I, nine and I, ten. I, I thought I had all the good coaches. Um, uh, Zach Taylor going to a Super Bowl. Uh, you would think, right? Took the team to the Super Bowl this past year. Not on the good coach list. Oh, Doug. Doug's got to be there. Doug, Doug of course. Doug, back in the mix. Not in the good coach list. Oh, jeez. Um, but you're 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 right to be thinking X Eagles. Oh, McCarthy. Uh, Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, number ten. All right, I don't have a problem with that. I know people don't think he. I'm, I'm okay with Mike McCarthy. Um, Frank, oh, actually, go Frank Reich. Frank Reich, number nine. So let me run them down for you again here, because this is a fun list uh, where you certainly are debating it. A Belichick one, Harbaugh two, Reed three, Hall of Famers. Good coaches, a group of ten in order. Cliff Kingsbury. That's abysmal. That is abysmal. I, 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 I I'll read you what, what they say. said when they said, but let me finish recapping it first. We'll go back to Cliff Kingsbury. Pete Carroll, five. Okay with that. Matt LaFleur ahead of Kyle Shanahan. No, you take Shanahan ahead of LaFleur. Um, I, I think they're pretty close. Uh, if, if they add them the other way, I wouldn't complain. The fact they have LaFleur over Shanahan, I'm not complaining. I know you would. Vrabel, uh, eight. Reich, nine. McCarthy, ten. Sean McVay, 11. I, I don't even like Sean McVay, and that's way too low for him. He's, he's going to be higher low. than 11. We agree there. Brandon Staley, 12, which, uh, again, certain you think of coaches, you group them in the way that you look at them. And like. I thought that Nick Sirianni had a better year than Brandon Staley. Plain so and simple. I. So did I. Uh, Brandon yeah. Staley makes the list of good coaches. Nick Sirianni is just off it. I know there's only two different. Staley is 12 and uh, Sirianni is 14, but it's a different tier too, which does annoy me greatly. That just bothers me. And Tomlin, the last of the good coaches. <laughs> How could Mike Tomlin be below Brandon Staley? I yeah, he's he, Tomlin below Brandon Staley too. All right. Tier three, average coaches. I've told you a couple times now, Nick is the top of that tier. So he's number 14. He's the best of the average coaches. Who else do we have at average? Some guys you've already mentioned uh, thinking they well, were on the good I, tier. I, but I, I don't want to. Uh, Sean McDermott shouldn't be average. He should be above. He would um, be average at number 16. You're missing number 15, who you also mentioned previously. Uh, I, I, Rivera, well, Rivera, I mentioned, Stepanski, I mentioned. No, those um, two are further down. Yeah. Who, 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 who haven't I mentioned? Uh, uh think Philadelphia. Bowles? Think Philadelphia. I, I mentioned Zach Taylor. No, think Philadelphia. I'm looking through the list, um, list of teams, um, Think, think Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Oh, oh, Doug. Doug, Doug is. Doug I mean, P is number fifteen. Look, I mean, Doug won a stinking Super Bowl. I mean, I like. He's an me. average coach, McMullen. According to Pro Football Focus, he's average. Uh, I mean, how could you? You because yet we're in Philadelphia. I like Nick Sirianni, but I mean, Doug Peterson won Super Bowl fifty two, and he made the playoffs three times. I, 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 uh, I don't know. Right. I don't uh, understand. Nor do I. Let's continue. Two guys you did mention, Ron Rivera, average coach, number 18. Kevin Stefanski, Cleveland Browns, average coach, number 19. 17, above both Rivera and Stefanski, 
Lovey Smith of the <laughs> Texans. Um, I like Lovey. I've always been a Lovey guy. I think he's a good coach. I think he's a really good communicator and motivator. But his track record is his track record. His track record is not as good as Ron Rivera's. How the hell do you put him ahead of Ron Rivera? I don't get that a little bit. Um, number 20 on the good coach list, Arthur Smith of the Falcons. <laughs> uh, he didn't do a whole hell of a lot for me last year. Room for improvement. Now, this you really got to check out. Uh, the next group. So you got the um, uh, Hall of Fame coaches, the good coaches, the average coaches. Then you have a group that starts at number 21. Room for improvement. Todd Bowles, Tampa. I can't complain with that. I watched Todd Bowles with the Jets. Well, I thought yeah, he was I an mean, overmatch. He's a great defensive coordinator. Yeah. I don't know what kind of head coach he's going to be. Uh, I'm perfectly fine with that. Number 22, Zach Taylor, Cincinnati Bengals. I, I mean, uh, well, part of it is, I mean, yeah, Zach was awful before Joe Burrow. So that's kind of my thing with uh, uh, kind of my thing with Matt LaFleur the other way. Like, like if Zach Taylor had Aaron Rodgers, well, you know, he'd probably be in the Super Bowl sooner and we'd all think he's a great coach. So there, I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't think Zach Taylor's a great coach, um, but I mean, you give some guys credit for having the great quarterback and other guys you don't give credit. So I guess I don't understand the methodology more than anything else. He he deserves some kind of deference for making the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. He went think. to the Super Bowl last yeah. year. I know he did so on the back of his players, but every coach does so on the back of his yeah. players. Well, how, exactly. How do you so you're turn giving, your nose up to a guy who just went to the Super Bowl? You're putting Matt Lapore above Hall of Fame coaches because he wins a lot of games with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, all right, which I get. I get why you're doing it, but then why aren't you giving Zach Taylor credit for going to the Super Bowl? Don't That's kind of where I am bit. with that. Uh, Zach Taylor at number 22 makes no sense whatsoever to me. Uh, uh, following through on the coaches that uh, need room for improvement. And there's five, six, seven. How many? We got 26 coaches listed. So that means. So they didn't do the rookies. I like that they didn't do the rookies. Yeah, they, they didn't give any rookie a uh, rating because they've never coached a game in the league. Um, Zach Taylor, 22. Dan Campbell, number 23, biting kneecaps. Good for him. Uh, Matt Rule, number 24. He needs to have a good season or he'll be on an unbelievable hot seat. Uh, Dennis Allen Saints, the former uh, Raiders head coach taking over the Saints this year, needs to improve. And my guy, Robert Sala of the Jets, his first year under his belt last year. Not a great Such one. disrespect for the Jets, Jody. The last one is the New York Jets head coach. What if, what if people disrespect your team? They disrespect your team. Honestly, I maybe, would have Matt. Maybe, I would have, maybe because it's been earned, John, by no, the Jets that they earned that disrespect. I would put Matt Rule behind um, Robert Sala because I think Matt Rule's been a disaster. I'd also put Dan Campbell behind him um, after last year. Not great. Um, I think Dan but I Campbell. Wouldn't put him la- I wouldn't put him last. Mm. I wouldn't because, put him last because Dan Campbell is a uh, quotable coach. I think it actually elevates his standing and status in the coaching uh, hierarchy Maybe. 
because he's but quotable. These are supposed so to be I don't these. care how quotable you are. And we got the perfect example right here in Philadelphia. Sirianni so botched his first press conference, people are ready to fire him. He's, he's his first day on the job. Get him out of here. He can't be the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. And he takes him to the playoffs in his first year. So, yes, I don't know about anybody else, but I judge a coach by results on the field of what the team does, wins and losses, rather than cute quotes they can put out or win a press conference. Dan Campbell, the Lions were at the top of the draft for a reason. They didn't win football games. And here, here's the thing about Dan Campbell. I'll say the same thing I said about Matt Rule. And oh, by the rule, it came back to bite me in the butt because the Panthers were actually pretty bad last year. I thought the Panthers were going to have a good season last year. When we went down, the Eagles picked games they were going to win. And I put that in as an L. I thought they were going to Carolina and losing this last year because I thought that Carolina would get better. I thought Donald was going to be better than Bridgewater, and there wasn't really much of a difference. But I really thought the year before Rule's rookie season, they were in every game. That it came down fourth quarter, last couple of minutes, and make a big play, whatever. And they almost always came up on the short end of it. But they were in every single game. And I thought if they got somewhat improved quarterback play out of a guy like Donald, they would be bet them at first. And they didn't. They just flatlined this past year. Same thing, Dan Campbell's getting a lot of credit for. Hey, but they were in every game. They were there every single week. They fought hard and they lost. So I bought into they were close the year before. So look for improvement in the next season. Yeah, I'm not doing that with the Lions this year. It's starting week number one with the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't care uh, how how competitive they were in games last year and got beat by. How long was Tucker's field goal? 67? Uh, 66, I think. 66, uh, I somewhere got, there. I got, I got beat on the you know, I, It's one of those things where I remembered 63 for years with Tom right. Dempsey. And now, same thing with the home run record. You, you remember 714. It, it was such an iconic record. Then it was 755. I don't know what it is, Jody. You probably know. I don't know what it is now. Um, Bonds is 760 something. I, you're yeah. right. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It, it, for years, you just put these on 714, 755. Um, yeah, 63 for years. And then all of a sudden, all these kickers are coming on. But with this list, you said something about Dan Campbell. This is pro football focus. This is supposed to be the analytics people. Right. Not about, uh, the, oh, biting knees, as you mentioned. So I, I hope that didn't correlate into it. Um, but other, other than... I think McVay's way too low. I think Zach Taylor's way too low. Who who else did I have a problem with? I think I I I think Staley's way too high, as you mentioned. I'm trying to remember. Um, oh Kingsbury. I mean that's 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 the worst grade they've ever given. I'm going to say that right here ever. That is absurd that that is even in the conversation of being the fourth best coach in the National Football League. Forget about it. If you don't believe mm. Pete Carroll and Mike Tomlin don't believe in the Hall of, don't belong in the Hall of Fame tier, uh, Hall of Fame tier. All right, you know, they're borderline. I'll put Harbaugh borderline as well. And then the Petersons of the world, the guys who've won, the Petersons, the McCarthys, even the guys who've been there, the Rivera's, Come on. What are we doing here? And to stick to their analytical base, they do rate each coach 
on what their record would be with an average roster, the uh. generic average roster around the National Football League. They say Belichick would go 11.7 and 5.3 because you got to have 17 games, uh, the new norm in the National Football League. So we'll just go with wins, wins with an average roster, that same exact roster. If that coach was coaching that team, Belichick 11.7, Harbaugh 10.7, Andy 10.1, Cliff Kingsbury 10. They've got him one-tenth of a win less than Andy Reid. I got to see these number crunchers. Uh, Pete Carroll If Alec Hallaby is listening, the Eagles analytics guy, assistant GM. First of all, congratulations, Alec, for your promotion. Second tell of all, Ju- tell Julian we said hi. Yeah, tell Julian we said hi. And, you know, you know this methodology. Rip it up. Don't use it for the Eagles because it's garbage. I don't get it a little bit. Uh, Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan, both at 9.8. So someone had to be six, someone had to be seven, but they actually rated them. Well, exactly uh, how, the about, how about, how about, uh, Picking the guy who beat the other guy with the inferior team on the road in the playoffs. How about that? How about uh, that as a tiebreaker? A tiebreaker would work for me. Yes, I would tend to agree. Uh, Mike Vrabel, 9-7. Reich and Vrabel and McCarthy all at 9-7. McVay only at 9.6. Staley at 9.4. Tomlin at 9.3. And our guy Nick Sirianni at 9 flat. 9 and 8. That's kind of what he went last year, so... Uh, they think that's what he would do with an average roster uh, just ahead of. Well, that's Nick. what he had last year. So they're probably right. He had an average roster. He went nine and eight. So with that, with Nick Sirianni, they're correct. I don't have a problem where they have Nick. Would they have Nick at 14? Right. But here's my problem with Nick. The fact that they got Brandon Staley two slots ahead of him. And again, these things are tiered and you figure out how much if, if, Nick Sirianni was a nine. That's probably why they did it. Cause Mike Tomlin, they added a 9.3, the last of the good coaches. Uh, a lot of these are only one tenth of a, a point apart. That's a three tenth drop from Tomlin to Sirianni. That's probably why that's where they drew the line for the tier. Yeah. Well, I think I, I, I if you're going to tell you. me that Brandon Staley's a good coach, I'm going to tell you that Nick Sirianni's a good coach. I think Nick Sirianni did a better job than Brandon Staley last so year. Um, Brandon Staley, let's Brandon Staley's a defensive guy. Um, and he has a good offense and he has a good offense because he's got a good young quarterback. Um, you know, Nick Sirianni was able to make the playoffs. Granted the AFC is tougher. Uh, so I can see that, you know, having the same number of wins is, is difficult, more difficult, certainly in their division, uh, very difficult division, um, Nick didn't have nearly as much talent though as as Brandon Staley. Who would who'd we have on? I think it was Clark Judge can't stand Brandon Staley and the analytics and the overuse of the analytics. I I would put Nick Sirianni ahead of Brandon Staley, but then again, I wouldn't put Nick Sirianni ahead of Doug Peterson. I think that's absurd. I I'm, I'm yeah, maybe down the road, not right now. I think that's absurd. Not so, ready to go there just yet. Yeah. Uh, but that's why we have fun with these lists, different places, different outlets, media outlets, and the like. Everybody's got an opinion, and then they go about justifying it. And, we and normally it I stick up for everyone's right to have an opinion, Jody Mack. Not in this case with Cliff, 
Cliff Kingsbury is the fourth You're ranked coach in the National Football League as a wrong. Hey, but at least he got Kyler Murray to show up at their uh, workouts yeah. this week, which most people believe was not happening. Good for I, Cliff. Good for I, Cliff. I, yeah, uh, putting Cliff aside for a second. Is Kyler Murray just a different dude because he takes all his team mentions off his social media, then he puts them back on, then he's outspoken about, I need to get paid. I'm not going to show up. Uh, if you don't do this, I'm one of the top young quarterbacks. And then he shows up at camp. This guy seems to change his direction and or his stances on a whim, on a lark. Is that the kind of guy you do want to give $40 million to per year nah, if you're that's Arizona? That's why the Eagles, I said, for all the talk about the Eagles in the offseason about Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, which was real, um, those were the two quarterbacks that they thought would be a significant upgrade. Um, and and that's the way they would have went if they could have figured out a way. They did not, you know, when all that stuff started bubbling up about Kyler Murray, he's a very talented quarterback. They didn't go down that road. They didn't even think about that road. Um, same thing with Baker Mayfields of the world. And you, as you go down the town, the Jimmy Garoppolo's of the world, Sam Tarnos, blah, 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 which tells you something about Jalen Hurts. But Kyler's a little bit different than those other ones because he does have significant talent. And you could say he's a pain in the you-know-what or bring up some of the things you brought up, Jody. Deshaun Watson? I mean, why didn't they have interest in Kyler Murray? Um, or at least, you know, kicking the tires and saying, what's going on there? You know, can we work something out? I don't know. There's something about Kyler Murray. He's very strange player, number one, because of just of his size and the uniqueness of how he plays the game. But he's really talented. Um, I don't give a you-know-what about the social media stuff. I, I don't know why these people do what they do and take stuff off and put it on. I don't know. Um, but he's a high-level starting quarterback, and that's what we talk about with Jalen Hurts. That's where you're – with Kyler Murray, you got to start at $40 million, right? So that's a difficult question to answer. Do you want to pay Kyler Murray $40 million a year? Here's one of those things that I have to acknowledge that I really have to be non-old school about. You and I feel the same way about social media. It's not social. It's not media. It is what it is. It should have no effect on a football player and how he's judged and how he's looked at. But the other 53 guys in the locker room look at it as if it's very important, John. You and oh, I yeah. might not. Oh, I know. I know. They think Madden ratings are important. Exactly. There, there are certain things that you and I yeah. might not comprehend, <laughs> but damn it, the rest of the team oh. does. So you better pay attention to yeah. them because that's what you have to do from afar is you have to figure out how it's going to affect uh, the other 52 guys in that locker room. And yet doing stuff like that, yeah, it resonates with the other players when you decide I'm out. I'm taking all my stuff off. It it really does hit home, and players know that, and that's why we've seen some players do that. Oh yeah, I'm I'm not saying it's not a valuable tool to indicate you know you're unhappy. I I I, I always use Stephon Diggs as the example. Uh, he did it one afternoon, and he was gone like two hours later. I mean that's how 
uh, quickly it happened. Um, so it, it's, it's sort of like another tool for players when it comes to contract negotiations and, and contract wrangling. Um, I'm not saying that's not real. I, I, I just don't understand the mindset behind it. It's like Darius Slay getting upset about Madden ratings. That's what I was going to, I mean, who gives a, you know, who they don't know. They don't know what the, I mean, at least play, pay attention to pro football focus. I mean, give me that over Madden rating, yeah, but, but players are obsessed with Madden ratings. It's unbelievable. After Cliff Kingsbury comes in number four as the coach. Yeah, maybe not. In the uh, National yeah. Football League. Maybe no one will be paying attention to pro football focus going forward. We can because we can. And we know some guys are pro football focus. We want back on at a future date to somehow attempt to justify how they came up with these coaching rankings and disrespected our guy, Nick Sirianni. All right, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, final 10 minutes, coming down the home stretch. You know what we got to do here on Birds 365. Put a bow on the show. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the Cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. And that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears.
you got your MAGA Mac guy, John McMullen and Jody McDonald, uh, here for the last couple of minutes on Birds 365. Couldn't uh, establish contact with Chris Landry. We'll attempt to get him back on uh, later in the week. Um, sorry uh, if we teased you on that and didn't deliver. We'll get uh, Chris up at a later date. Uh, do promise that. Good dude. No, he's a good spot whenever he hops on with us. So we'll make that happen sometime, uh, either later this week or next week. All right, Johnny Mac, uh, you didn't receive your all-important email or text yet, have uh, you? Let me check. Uh, no, not yet. I'm I'm still banking on Wednesday, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Right, because uh, as you said earlier, for anybody who's just streaming in, and remember, you always go back and watch the entire Birds 365 every single day on YouTube, and you can access and jacobsports.com, yeah. our new jacobsports.com uh, website. Um the fact that uh, the Eagles, you pointed out, uh, teams during this period like to uh, just flat out cancel the last scheduled workout slash activity slash practice call what you want to show the team that they're thinking of them. That, yeah, you guys, we, 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 we appreciate the effort you put in so much. We're going to give you a pass on the last workout which some teams do, and if it curries favor with the players, then it's it's something worth doing. But when you only schedule six out of a potential 13 uh, sessions to begin with, the, the entire six are pretty damn important. That's why John's thinking they're not going to cancel the last one, and that's the one that he's going to be able to get into attendance for over there in Philadelphia. Yeah, I think you're probably onto something, John. Um, not only are they only doing six, but when you guys got over there the other day, the uh, session lasted exactly 55 minutes. Didn't quite make that hour where you can go upwards of two hours. I, I, I saw this last week. The first couple were 90 minutes and it increased to 105 minutes and it increased to the full two hours. And I think we were at the two hour maximum. Eagles didn't even get to an hour. So they are going with the less is more. Are you expecting when you get together, when you get over there on Wednesday, if that's the day, could you actually break an hour of work you have to put in McMullen? Well, I was getting pretty, uh, you know, the the it was a grind when it was closing in on an hour. Were you Jody. winded at the end of the uh, session? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was a pretty hot day actually. Um, I I will not be complaining uh, personally about Nick Sirianni's penchant for leaving. Uh, but yeah, I can't imagine that he's going to all of a sudden go to an hour and a half or, or two hours on the last day before cranking up Alex Cooper's schools, schools out for summer. Um, I can't imagine it'll be anything more than it was when it was last week, 50, 55 minutes, somewhere in that range. Um, he'd probably go the other direction. They're out there probably break it off 10 minutes early or 45 minutes. Um, yeah, you, you can't all of a sudden go hard nose after you just go, hey, last day, we're gonna go, we're gonna go two hours. We're gonna go last second till we can keep these guys. Uh, that would be a curveball, as they say. In the somewhat limited time frame that they'll probably put themselves in, what are they really attempting to do this week? Is is they had last week and now you got one more week and then they're going to break all the way to camp and uh, you guys are uh, there every single day when camp opens up. But w- what are they just 
getting up to I, speed? I, I think it's yeah, I think it's about more getting I think it's about more of the classroom stuff, more of the meeting stuff, more of the teaching stuff, more getting the young players, uh, you know, the baseline installation for the offense and defense. And then, you know, one of the big things coaches always talk about when players go away for the break and come back, you know, who retains the stuff uh, uh, the, the most. And that's always a, a good sign for a rookie player. Whereas if, you know, you you got that quick startup course in the spring and you show back up for training camp and you don't remember any of it and you got to start from square one. That's always a bad sign. Uh, so I think it's more of uh, the stuff that we never get to see the meeting stuff, the, 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 um, the, the positional meetings that the hand to hand stuff with Jeff Stoutland working with the offensive lineman, Jamal Singleton with the running backs and, all the technique and the fundamental stuff. JM, uh, good job today, brother. Always a pleasure. I say we do this again in uh, 22 hours. You in for uh, a Tuesday affair on Birds 365? Let's do it. Let's do it. And uh, be checking back with jacobsports.com all day. McMullen will be updating and or giving more Eagles opinion. But I appreciate what he shares it with me for the two hours we do Birds 365 every single day. We'll get back at it again tomorrow and join you again in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.